Hey guys, it's Michelle, registered dietitian, certified personal trainer, and your host of this podcast, where we talk about all things intuitive eating and simple and sustainable changes that are not gimmicky diet culture, but are actually ways to improve your health and wellness in your life. I'm so excited that you're tuning in for today's episode. Today, I am chatting with Nicole Groman. She is a fellow registered dietitian, and you probably already follow her on Instagram at The Hungry Clementine. She is the queen of reels and has amazing content all about ditching diet culture and healing your relationship with food. So obviously, if you follow me as well, Nicole and I have very similar philosophies and outlooks, and I wanted to chat with her about this topic of intuitive eating and wellness culture and sort of what has become this like extreme almost battle in some ways between the two philosophies like what you see on instagram as this like trendy wellnessy um i don't even know what community philosophy versus what intuitive eating is trying to promote and we talked about all sorts of myths as well as like what we have in common and how it's just so frustrating that things have become so polarized because actually we kind of want some of the same things so i joke that this was basically just like you are listening in on one of our dinners together um because we love to just go off on these topics and it was a really fun lively chat so i hope you enjoy hearing our perspectives and that you take something away from it so let's get into it Hi, Nicole. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Can you um, tell us a bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, of course. I'm really excited, by the way, for this podcast. I'm so excited to chat. And um, yeah, so I'm Nicole Groman. I live here in New York City. I am a registered dietitian, and I specifically focus on the non-diet approach and help people heal their relationship with food, people who, you know, dieted forever and just want to stop people who have a disordered relationship with food. That's the area I specialize in. Which is why we're such great friends. Because yeah. <laughs> we both <laughs> want to do this work. Yeah. Amazing. And I was thinking before, well, I guess when we decided to do this, I was thinking about like how little time we've actually spent together in person versus what it feels like yeah. when we spent together in person. It's so crazy. It's so funny. And I remember the first time that we actually got together face to face, which I think was downtown last year at the Italian yes. restaurant. We were like, this is, well, I know we met briefly, right? At like, did we meet briefly to con? No, I think oh, that no. was the first time. Yeah. yeah, it was all Instagram. Like, oh, I stalked you for a long time. And then we just chatted. And then I finally moved to New York. And we had that dinner that was the most hilarious experience. <laughs> it was so funny. And we were just like, how is this the first time that we met in person? This is so weird. And then still every time we get together, like it feels like it's more. Yeah. yeah. It really does. It really does. So this is going to be a fun chat. Um, it'll be like someone just sitting in on our dinners. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Or, or our boxers, which we now do every day, sitting <laughs> in our boxer conversation. <laughs> Yes. Oh my gosh. I really am obsessed with it now. You've gotten me hooked. <laughs> yeah. All about the voice notes. So what I wanted to talk about today is something I have been thinking about for months now. And I had the idea of doing a podcast episode about this and I tried, which I told you beforehand, and I just could not have the conversation by myself. And I knew that it would be great to talk to you about. So the idea is this like polarization of wellness culture and anti-diet. And I think it's so present on Instagram, especially you see these health and wellness influencers, plus obviously so many like intuitive eating, non-diet dietitians. And at times with different content that's put out, the two groups kind of like really go to war against each other. And I think it's actually damaging for the people we're trying to help. So do you, do you see this extreme? I do. I definitely do see the extreme. And everything on social media in general kind of becomes even more extreme and more polarized just by the nature of social media. And so when you have like two seemingly contrasting points of view. And I say seemingly, I think in very many ways they are contrasting. Yeah. 
that's a lot of what you and I are going to talk about. But also, as you said, we're all here because we want the best for like the consumer, the audience, the follower, you know? Um, so that's why in a sense, we're, we're all trying to help people, but with very, very different points of view and, um, yeah, they can come across in a really polarizing way to the viewer. Yeah. And I think something that I, I know something that you and I do and a lot of dietitians in our space. And I think, well, I don't know if it applies to everyone, but I think we talk a lot about, um, you know, what is actually true about improving your health and like breaking down myths and giving people accurate, actionable information and the way that messages on social media can really go against each other just confuses people even more when, like we're saying, everyone just wants to help people be healthy, ultimately, yeah. ideally, um, if they are acting in an ethical way. If not, they probably just want to make money, but yeah. <laughs> that's the other thing. So let's maybe start off with defining like what even is wellness culture? What are we referring to? Oh man. So the way that I see wellness culture, and I'm curious is, uh, oh my God. I mean, it's, 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 it's also changing over the years based on what's trending, right? So like, this yeah. is like, like what I think wellness culture is, it's a, it's um, a culture of trying to like trying to educate people on what is quote unquote healthy. However, it usually picks up on a lot of trending patterns when it comes to food um, or a lot of extreme and non-evidence-based patterns and recommendations. So like when you said before that as long as people are being ethical, right? Like that's a big piece of it. I have to say that one of the main things that dietitians do is we're an evidence-based practice. So we don't recommend something that we know is not backed by research. Like we, we may we may have our own theory or feeling on something, but if it's not evidence-based, then it's not something that we're going to actually put out there. So when you look at wellness culture and every and like a lot of the information you mentioned, like like I know we're going to talk about something like you know intuitive fasting today. Like when you there's so much out there like juicing and I mean I gluten-free. Um, just, you know, eating raw, like all these kind of, like, if you think about wellness culture, basically a lot of what they're recommending is very extreme and also yes. non-evidence-based. So, but unfortunately, and, and I say this because I, I, I just, I don't want to like speak badly, but unfortunately like wellness culture puts out a lot of extreme and non-evidence-based information and mm-hmm. for like the anti-diet community. And I think even like registered dietitians who don't necessarily identify as anti-diet, like mm-hmm. there's a problem too, because we're just trying to put out evidence-based information that helps people. Right. Right. Yeah. I would define it very similarly as like giving people this focus on health, but taking it to the extreme because yeah. a lot of the things like what you mentioned, you know, juicing, eating raw, like having raw vegetables and drinking a green juice, those things are not inherently bad. But when an influencer teaches you that you have to have the celery juice every single day before you do anything else, then it can get people into more of that like orthorexia mindset, like hyper fixation on health that then takes away from other parts of your life. So you said orthorexia, like I almost said before when like, what is wellness culture? I almost said it's orthorexia personified. But I think I held back and now I'm wishing I didn't. Like that's honestly what what it is. Like it is. And I mean, like you said, you know, we don't want to speak badly. Like I don't I do believe that a lot of people promoting these things have good intentions. Mm-hmm. And like I do believe that there are people who've had positive experiences from some of these things. And this is why I think it gets tricky with the whole evidence-based um just stuff. Because like, yes, obviously we are dietitians, like that's what we do. We look at research, we look at science and a lot of the critics will say, you know, well, nutrition science is so slow and like, we can't wait around 10 years for there to be a study on this. Like, why not just do it if it's going to help people? And I do see some of the validity in that. I think it just really depends what it is. And so that message is like, oh, dietitians are just old school listen to us, we're telling you the new stuff, when 
there's so much gray area where I think is like where we actually sit, but uh -huh. people just don't know that. Right. People don't know that. I also think that when somebody says that there's misinformation in that because like we are also referring to new evidence as well. Like, yeah, we're kind of building off of evidence that's been around for a long time, but like new studies come out consistently. This is why mm -hmm. like recommendations, like we have revisions from time to time based on the new evidence and the yeah. other piece of it, I guess be like, okay, yes, I hear somebody who might say that, but if a recommendation, like you, you know, that argument might be, well, why don't we just like do this now if it's going to benefit the person? I don't think that these things are going to benefit the person. Like the, the recommendations that wellness culture is making are actually not going to benefit the person in the way that they're being communicated. Because as you said, it's inherently celery juice or green juice, like raw vegetables. These are not bad things inherently, but as you said, the way they're presented is bad because it's too extreme. We actually have evidence to support that because we know that the restrictive nature that wellness culture puts out does lead to an unhealthy relationship with food. So like there's almost evidence there as well. Right, right, absolutely. So I feel like this needs examples. Like let's talk about some of the things that are actually harmful, especially in the way they're presented, even though they're like seemingly not. Yes, okay. So are there any that you're thinking of? Or like sneaky things that like on the surface might not be, again, yeah. Alexia being an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. It's like these things are not inherently unhealthy, but like then they're presented that way. So right. making it your whole lifestyle. Exactly. Um okay. So we mentioned like eating raw. We mentioned celery yeah. juice, which I think God, I mean, that was just that was a, that was a craze. That was what a time. Have you ever had celery juice? Have you ever tasted it? So have you? I did. Yeah, I did once because I was like, I just need to know. People yeah. say it's not that bad. People say it's a girl. It's disgusting. Right. <laughs> it was so bad. Imagine. Like, I, would I could never drink this. Every day, I was like, no. That's yeah. so gross. Yeah, I hated it. I think that maybe it was like a celery juice cocktail because I was like, oh, at least I'll like <laughs> I'll see a little sprinkle of it. And it was like horrible. Um, do not recommend so yeah, that's a big one. Um, but even eating raw, like, okay, people say, what even do people say? It'll like clear your skin and get rid of diabetes and like every disease ever. Um, and like, it's good and like for digestion and good for the gut. And like, shit, it, it probably will be good. Well, maybe to an extent for digestion, because then if you're like overdoing it, then you'll be okay. Yeah, like that, okay, even that gut health is like such Ooh. a thing. And, no. <laughs> I mean, yes, that's just us, but no. <laughs> that's just yes. So eating raw is good for digestion. I'm sorry, what? Like, if you, again, it's all about the extremes, you know? Like, is fiber good for digestion? Yes. And eating raw is super, super high in fiber. Like, fruits and vegetables are main sources of fiber. Um, so, yes, you need some to have proper digestion. Most Americans don't get enough. But wellness culture is not the average American. Right. And when they're telling you to eat raw all the time, like that is going to be fiber overload. And then that gets people on the other like hashtag or whatever of, oh my gosh, I'm bloated all the time. No, I knew you were going to say bloat. I'm like, let's talk about bloat now because this yes, is somehow like trending. Yeah. And it's like, oh my gosh, I'm bloated. What do I need to do to heal my gut? Maybe oh. stop eating all the freaking fiber. <laughs> It's like such a spiral. It's such a spiral. And, and you know, when somebody is getting their advice from not only a non I'm not even going to just say a non-nutrition professional, but I'm going to say from social media when, like, the person that's presenting it is not a nutrition professional. Like, yeah. when you're getting your advice from, like, a wellness influencer on Instagram who doesn't know you, right? Mm -hmm. And this is almost where the ethics come in because we – do not give personalized recommendations on Instagram, right? We present right. like like our message and you know, general but it's, information. It's like, yeah, but when someone is saying eat this for this reason, and then you have like somebody on the other side of the screen who may have a condition that like makes these recommendations contraindicated, then this person is now suffering, and it's because they listened to the influencer who doesn't actually. Which know. is also so counter to what they promote because 
I mean, so much of the newer research about nutrition is uncovering like how individualized everything is. And I do think there are some wellness messages that say that, you know, sometimes in ridiculous ways, like the freaking like blood type diet or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But so they're saying on the one hand, like everyone is so different, but also I did this. So you should. Right. What? That's the complete opposite. Yeah. And, and then one thing that I like, know you and I've kind of chatted about and might chat about today is sort of red flags to look for when it comes to when you're following somebody, how do you know whether this is somebody that you should should continue to follow, take advice from, or maybe consider working with. And when you see those contradicting messages, like Mm -hmm. this is individualized, but also like do this, I did it, it will work for you. Like that, you know, I think is a really good thing. And I think, yeah, I think even just seeing a disclaimer, well, in some regard, like there can be helpful disclaimers, but specifically the disclaimer of, I'm not saying this is going to work for everyone. I'm just saying it's what worked for me. Cause I feel like people have gotten the pushback of like, oh, you can't say that this is going to work for everyone. So then they just like put the disclaimer and still say it anyway. So even seeing that of like, this is just what I did. If you know, it's going to get in your head because you're looking for solutions to a similar ailment, like just don't look at it. It's just, that's the red flag. Yeah. Yeah. What it brings up for you. Like if it's bringing something up for you as the viewer, like the, the follower of this person, if you know it might be like triggering something in you and that's another red flag, like a personal red flag kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You so let's circle back to bloat because I know you're fired up about it. And we didn't fully go there. I knew um, you were going to say it. I'm like, oh my God. Yes, I am. Give, give us your rant about the Instagram bloat community. I've so seen recently like stitches. Like I've seen um, non-diet dietitians doing stitches with influencers who start, you know, their post about like, this is what I do to get rid of bloat. And my rant about it is that bloating is a completely normal thing. Mm-hmm. The reason we don't like it, we meaning like society, is because it makes our stomach bigger. And, you know, and like, of course, when our body grows in any way, that's a bad thing. And we need to do everything we can to like, like keep our stomach as flat as possible, shrink as much as possible. And like, of course, I hope you all know I'm speaking in these like hyperbolic terms on purpose because like none of that is true. That's just what our society makes us believe. So bloat, it's like I saw one dietitian say, if you eat and your stomach gets bigger because there's now food in it, that is normal. Like what what do we expect to happen when we take wow. a relatively empty like organ and then put something in it like take a balloon and fill it with water it's gonna get bigger so like there's nothing wrong with bloat and it's normal to bloat after a meal it's more normal to feel full after a meal it's normal to like our bodies don't digest fiber right like this is one of the wonderful things about fiber this is why it like has all the benefits because the way it passes through our system but for that reason we may get bloated when we eat foods that are high in fiber because of the bacteria that's digesting it in our colon so like this is actually a very normal and expected thing that we don't need to try and fix so now we have influencers telling people to try to fix something that is normal and now people who are bloating think there's something wrong with them and that's my rant i will say that of course if somebody is like in a chronic state of bloat and it's incredibly painful you know there's a difference between like normal bloating versus like chronic and painful. So I'll say that, but that's, those are my feelings. What, what about you? Yeah. No, I agree. And yeah, that's a good point. Like sure. It can be signs of like celiac or some sort of food allergy. If it is severe, most of the time it's not. And people are taking non-severe bloating as a problem just because it's not a perfectly flat stomach. When, like you said, it totally makes sense. But now the other thing that I'm seeing, I don't know if you've seen this, is it's like just this constant cycle where now I'm seeing like the original wellness influencers who posted these things now posting like, don't listen to the people who are telling you that bloat is normal. No. And they're like coming oh, back at Really? Like, oh, yes. I've actually seen a lot of that. Yeah. And so I think this ties into what you're saying about like, obviously, if it's extreme and painful, 
it could be something could be um and so there are i think a lot of people who become wellness influencers had some sort of severe or semi-severe health condition so maybe that was their experience and because they experienced that they're you know hating on the people who are telling you it's normal because maybe they have been told it was normal when it wasn't and like yes that is totally understandable that like it's frustrating to not be heard by a medical professional but again it's the generalizing of like this is always a bad thing and it's also like I don't think this is intentional, but I do think it's a little bit fear-mongering, you know, telling people, like, this experience could be whatever the heck it is, you know, a disease, a virus, a parasite, blah, 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 and then people are thinking about things that they never would have thought of in the first place, and maybe it's just because, like, you ate beans. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, something that (laughs) I personally cannot eat chickpeas. I mean, I also don't like the flavor, like, I like hummus, but I don't like chickpeas. The only dietitian probably that doesn't like chickpeas, but like I cannot eat them, and my stomach hurts so much. My stomach gets so bloated, and like yes. it's mean. Like of course right. it it does because like we you know our bodies can't digest them that well. Right, uh, like I I cannot eat lentils. They just it's a no, and I recommend lentils to my clients all the time because I know like they're a plant based source of protein and they give you fiber and all of these things, and it's yeah. like. You just have to see what works for you. I can't say never eat lentils or like if you have that experience, you know, I don't have a parasite or a disease. That's just one food that doesn't work for me for whatever reason. And so when people also are giving advice based on their own experience, it's making me think of another problem with wellness culture, which is that a lot of the people, the influencers themselves not, not all the time, not not necessarily the majority, but I've seen it happen. And also it like kind of looks clear sometimes based on what they're eating and promoting are going through their own disordered relationship with food. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So like yeah. now you have somebody who is not in a balanced and healthy and functional relationship with food, sometimes influencing hundreds of thousands of people and that's like another really big issue that I have with wellness culture when like the person isn't really realizing that they're yet in the middle of disordered eating. And I have seen before the, if you look through somebody's account about partway through, you'll see the post in which they like share with their followers. Hey, I didn't know, but I actually had a broken relationship with food and I was disordered and now I'm healing. And you see a trajectory change in their account, which now their account is more about recovery. So it's like, you may be watching somebody who is actually in the middle of an eating disorder and you're taking their advice and it's really dangerous. Right, right. Wow, I have so much to say. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, it, it happens all the time. Like, I wish that let's do a research study and like find out how many people have done that because it I'm sure it's so many and then the other thing is you don't know the full picture of anyone's life when they're only showing you a day and a lot of the times that's not even the accurate day but something I saw recently because I I love those posts the like what I eat in a day I look at them with such a critical eye like what can it like who has an eating disorder? What can I look at? What's going on here? And I just like, I don't know, maybe that's weird, but whatever. Because of what I do and because, you know, clients talk to me about it all the time. I'm like, ooh, send it to me. Oh, no, I have my clients send me them too. But I'll let you like finish what you're saying in a sec, but I know you're also looking at with a critical eye because these posts are a problem. So like, it's just helpful for us to know what's kind of getting put out there. And yeah. Okay. Let me like try and stay on track here and say everything I want to say. So yes, some you're not seeing the whole picture. And I did see a post somewhat recently from like a really big influencer and she was on vacation sharing everything she ate. And I was watching this reel and I was like, oh, actually like this looks great. Like having normal food, she's on vacation at this resort. The food looked great. And she was like eating all these normal things. But looking at just the type of extreme wellness niche this person is in, like that's their vacation. Maybe they eat like that for that one day, but that's the only day or that's the only week. And then someone's going to see that and see this person's body, which is definitely thin. I would say on the extreme thin side, 
and think, okay, well, what am I doing wrong? Why don't I look like that? Like it just breeds comparison because it's sending such a false message, which could be they actually have that body because they're restricting or it could be like it's genetic. I don't know. It's so many things, but the snippets are just not helpful. And again, I think it's this like trend of influencers kind of catching on to the criticisms they're getting and trying to show the opposite in not a fully honest way. Yes. Yes. I completely agree. I mean, no program is going to call itself a diet, I think, like ever again. Anymore, yeah. I don't know if the South Beach diet book still exists, the Atkins diet. Like I'm thinking about like things that actually have the name diet in them. And like, I don't know, but like the diet industry is catching on that the word diet is bad. So now they're starting to, you know, shift the way that they're talking about it. And the diet industry and wellness culture are realizing that intuitive eating is getting more and more attention and that it's like a really wonderful thing. So trying to like, like I saw somebody post, my client sent this to me and I don't, I don't even know if she'd be considered an influence. She's like a high schooler, like some girl, not my client, like the person, um, who I think just has an account on TikTok where she like chronicles her eating and the, like, I don't, I don't even know what it was. I saw the one post, but she was like, this is what I do. Oh my God, what was the phrase? It was like, this is what I, this is how I eat intuitively to manage my weight. <laughs> I, uh, wait, I'm sad this isn't video in this I know, moment. I know, I know, because my hands are up. I, I'm, I'm, in a, I'm in a position of having no words. You guys can all see. What? I have no words and I'm frozen because like <laughs> I was just like you can't say that you can't yes. do me, that. Like, explain, why, explain why in case anyone like doesn't. Know. Yeah, I know. I because <laughs> the, one of the main premises of intuitive eating is that you are no longer letting your desire for weight loss guide your behaviors. In the it's either the introduction or principle one in the author's right, you need to put weight loss on the back burner. The reason and is- what you said, But the way you say that is so important. It doesn't guide your behavior. Yes. It's normal and okay to still have those thoughts and probably yes. everyone I work with and you do has those thoughts and we talk about it. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So again, like, and I posted about this yesterday, in fact, because this is a very big misconception that like intuitive eating doesn't mean that you no longer want to lose weight. It doesn't mean that like poof, like magically your desire for weight loss disappears. It simply means that we no longer let that guide your behaviors. That is no, you're not, you know, adjusting your portions or replacing, you know, healthified versions um, for what you really want to eat in order to promote weight loss. So in, you know, intuitive eating and intentional weight loss do not go hand in hand in order to effectively eat intuitively. So that is why when I saw this post, like this girl, like anybody who just like puts intuitive eating and like weight management in the same sentence is incorrect. And also I think really just trying to, trying to get people to watch, trying to get people in because we know intuitive eating is now, it's good that it's becoming more ears and eyes are on it, but like now it's be kind of coming buzzwordy and like we don't want that to happen to intuitive eating because it's like the one great thing <laughs> like out there and like I mean maybe that's extreme. I'm saying it. I'm saying it. It's like you know, um that exists in terms of how to, you know, create a healthy relationship with food. Right, right. And I think I mean that's just why I wanted to talk about all of this and like what it is, what it isn't, what these other things are and what they aren't because it's totally being presented in every way you can imagine. Yeah. Um, I mean, when you Google intuitive eating, like if you type intuitive eating on Google, Noom comes up as a sponsor. <laughs> I think we all know this at this point. And in fact, somebody commented on one of my posts yesterday. What about Noom? I thought that was about intuitive eating. I'm like, I need to address this right now. <laughs> okay, okay. So here's another thought because I, I'm, I think I might be changing my mind in this exact moment. God, I'm so curious. On what I'm about to say, yeah. So everybody hates on Noom. Like the amount of posts that are targeted at Noom from like intuitive eating dietitians is a lot. And I really shy away from posting those things because I always think like I don't want to be hating on a specific thing and like using their name and drawing more attention to it and getting people to Google it and all of that. Like I would rather just purely promote what I believe just educate on intuitive eating tell people what it is but I wonder I mean does hmm, now I'm thinking like maybe 
maybe I should post more about specific things because I like, there are so many questions there, like the yeah, comment on your yeah, post. Right. You know, it's funny because over the years I have grown and changed as a dietitian. Like when, like, I mean, it was in the middle of graduate school that I ended up healing my relationship with food. So like the dietitian that I thought I was going to be like, I almost said like freshman year, cause it's a four year program, but like my first year of grad school, <laughs> my fourth year, um, very different. And yeah. of course I continue to develop in the, like the seven years that I've been practicing is uh, like, I've become more educated and of course I've become more skilled as a clinician and all of that. But like, I also see the ways that my views are becoming more solidified and like stronger and I'm becoming more passionate about certain things. And I was out overnight with like a friend and somebody that I met for the first time. And like, I was just talking about the non, the, the non-diet dietitian community and kind of similar to this exact conversation. I'm like, it's, it's, I don't, I don't know if like sad is the word I use, but it's there, there is this polarization between the anti-diet community and like wellness culture and like weight loss focused, but sometimes like culture and or fitness culture kind of. And, right. um, what's sad about it is that it seems like it's a war, like, like sometimes I feel like it's like the anti-diet community is like in this like crusade to like fight diet culture, but we are actually like as practitioners, like so compassionate, like we're, mm -hmm. so, we're we, they're incredibly non-judgmental. Like you sit down with a non-diet dietitian and it is one of the most judgment-free zones that you will ever be in, like in the most compassionate zone that you will ever be in. So it's just kind of sad that there is this sort of like, you know, butting heads between the anti-diet community and like wellness and diet culture when like we aren't like here to fight. Exactly. Mm -hmm. We are here to... <laughs> <laughs> not to fight the people we're helping. No. Industry. Not to fight the industry. And I'm not even here to fight the influencer. I'm just here to like... Help yeah, yeah, yeah. people that are hearing misinformation that is leading to a an unhealthy relationship with food and like disordered right. thoughts and like poor mental health. Like that's what you know we're here for. So with, the whole reason I said this is because you talked about mentioning like the actual you know Weight Watchers or Noom or like whatever. And, and that's another reason why I kind of don't is because like then somebody who sees that and maybe they're currently doing Noom, are they going to feel shame and like, oh my gosh, this person's going to judge me when that's not at all the case, you know? Right. Not at all. I think that, and, and yes, and there are times actually, especially when I do my like kind of comical like reels about like what dieting like looks like, it's not about the dieter. It's about diet culture, what diet culture does to- it's about like what it promises like, you. What it promises you and what it leads people to do and like- yeah, like what people believe they're going to get from it. So I think mm -hmm. that the value in mentioning a, you know, a brand name of a diet or whatever isn't to attack the diet the, or the company. It's so that the consumer understands that yeah. what a Noom or a Weight Watchers or a Whole30, like what they're promising is actually like not going to be delivered at least long-term. And in fact, yeah. sets you up for you know staying in a really uncomfortable cycle of like dieting and then like whatever feels like binging and you know so like that's the point of mentioning to me totally. the company yeah no to me too i think and i think it's important to clarify that just for anyone who's seen that and like maybe felt attacked it's not about you it's about like just clarifying or explaining the message and where it's inaccurate and i actually have like three whole 30 books in my apartment right now because I was so proud of myself for this. I was walking my dog the other day and somebody was getting rid of books and there were tons of books just like out on the lid of the dumpster and there were all these whole 30 books and I was like, no one will take these Wait, books. Wait, did you say? Oh my God. I don't even know what to say. This is one of the greatest things I've ever heard. Like, honestly, <laughs> nobody, nobody's eyes can be on this. It cannot fall into my hands. So <laughs> like, that's incredible. Yeah, I I so I love it. See, that is because you're passionate. You care. Like, that's what this is. Like, you want to help people. <laughs> yeah, 
I've done Whole30. Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I, I did not last 30 days. I think mm-hmm. it was like 10. And yeah. for slightly different reasons, because of freaking gut health, like I got sucked into that for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we get it. We get it. Yeah. I mean, and I, and that's the other thing I have done, the stuff that I talk about on my page, I've done half of it. I calorie counted. I did my fitness pal. Oh God, that was, I just remember mm. the moments. I remember like logging, I was in Florida, logging my calories and I'm like, well, the whole day's ruined. So like, whatever. And then I just like eat everything that, you know, I've done my fitness pal. I've done the cheat day diet. I've done clean eating. Mm-hmm. I've done juice cleanses. Like I've done low carb. I've done everything that I talk about on my page. And like, so we are not like judging anybody who's doing any of this. Yes. I had this thought, um, a very related thought that you, I think will also relate to the other day. And I I was trying to create a post about it and maybe I will, I just need to still creatively brainstorm. Mm -hmm. But the fact that you and I, as an example, are promoting intuitive eating, I think says so much because number one yes like we have different experiences but like you have experience with these specific diets i've experienced some of them in different ways we've seen people in our lives experience these diets and not have success and we both have immense amounts of thin privilege and exist in smaller bodies and i was thinking you know if i wanted to be a scammy influencer and capitalize off of my body and sell my appearance and get rich and like tell people they could do whatever I say to look like me, I could. Mm -hmm. And we're not. And you could, right? Like we could just show we're thin, do X, like whatever would make us the most money. And we're not. And the fact that we're like so gung-ho about intuitive eating, I think proves people a lot of times criticize like, oh, it's all skinny white women. Yes, and like that is a whole different conversation. And yes, so there are a lot of problems there. I mean, like that's a whole different conversation. Yes, like that. We're not. Yes, there's a lot there. Yeah. Um, but I think you can also take it as evidence that, like, okay, what does that say if these people are promoting this? I mean, it's. You know I, I, I I see that's how that's contrasted with the influencers who like the what I eat in a day posts start off very often with a mirror selfie in a literal body checking yeah it's body checking it's body checking here's what i eat in a day let's start it off with my abs like this like like there are so you started off with disordered behavior i do (laughs) times a day (laughs) here's number one before we even get to the food oh my god absolutely Yeah. yeah yeah so like i that i think it's a very big difference as well between when like like a dietitian is promoting something that can help heal their somebody's relationship with food versus an influencer who right. um, does, you know, like the image, like the images are the body very often right. on these pages. Right. I did actually body. post one, like, I didn't even call it what I eat in a day. It was like what I ate today mm-hmm. real, because I also have had conversations with clients that like, they see all of those, but then don't have any example of what realistic could actually be. Yeah. And kind of want the validation of like, well, are, because all my clients ask me like, do people actually eat this much? And I'm like, yes, I do. People I know, like, yes, yeah. you can eat this much. It's normal. Yeah. Um, so I posted one, I haven't again, and I'm curious if people think it's helpful or not. Cause I was like, let me actually show what's real. And I think the very first frame was like, I'm shoving a cookie in my mouth. <laughs> so funny because there was one day a couple weeks ago where the first thing I ate was um a rainbow cookie stuffed chocolate chip cookie for breakfast and that sounds amazing it was yeah it was I got it at um it was like a fair out on Long Island and they were selling the brand so like it was that was the first thing I ate and that was the only it was the only thing I wanted like I was standing in my kitchen and like I was like okay this isn't gonna be like super balanced and filling but if I get hungry in an hour then I'll like eat something else because I'm mm-hmm. right here in my kitchen but like all I want is a cookie and so that was the first thing that I ate and I yeah. do think that I like you know everything is so subjective whereas like what you and I think mm-hmm. is a really like normal balanced day that doesn't look extreme somebody else on the other end might look at that and be like, oh man, I wish that I could eat 
like that. And they're so I, I think that that is the one potential like tricky thing about even an intuitive eating dietitian posting of what I eat in a day when like it maybe starts with a cookie and then there's like some kind of balanced snack in between. And then maybe pizza is like, I mean, pizza is lunch. Lunch is pizza. Um, pizza is lunch. Um, like, you know, there's pizza and there's cookies and there's like ice cream. And like, I think that, and by the way, I'm describing what could easily be a normal day for me. Like that is all very, you know, um, but I, then there could be somebody on the other end who is maybe comparing portion sizes or something. Right. right. So there's like, a little danger in it. I do think about doing it sometimes too, just right. because I'm like, you know, guys, like really you can eat. Yeah. This is like all foods and this is what it can look like. But, you know, I think about it. Yeah. Sometimes. And yes. And I think, you know, those portion sizes, it's especially hard to compare because, you know, we are intuitive eaters and that's so much more big picture than even a balanced day. I don't even think of things in terms of a balanced day. I think more of like a balanced week, you know, Mm -hmm. and like, okay, maybe today I ate more or less than tomorrow. And somebody might see that snippet and think, okay, that's the portion I need. But maybe the next day I had so much more, you know, like it's just so there's so much that you don't see, which I think is a takeaway for everything. Oh, I mean, absolutely. And like when, you're looking at somebody's life on Instagram and all. And I mean, I don't, I don't know if I'm just thinking about the way that I, I'm thinking that like the way that I present things on Instagram is like pretty real. Like I will talk about like bad things on my story sometimes too. Like I'll talk about like the emotion, like when I eat emotionally and yeah. like, yeah. You know, I don't know what things look like to somebody else though on the other side. Like I was thinking that a lot of like, um, wellness culture when you look at an account it's like a lot of like lovely and beautiful and perfect things and that's a really important time to remember that you don't know what's going on on the other side mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm like I don't know what my account looks like to people but I mean I feel like you have a very yeah I wonder how mine looks I feel like I don't I probably don't share much of the challenges or negatives I think you share it all but also like I know you maybe it's different I don't know <laughs> I, I, I feel like I share a lot of it. Like, I feel like, yeah, when I'm like stressed and like, like I will like story when I'm like, th- like I'm feeling emotional and I'm having this ice cream right now. Like, yeah. They showed me like, you know, I actually thought about it. I thought about it last night. I told you right before this, I could not fall asleep until two right. in the morning. Right. And I was sitting in my bed, like eating a buttered bagel at like one in the morning. And I was like, Ooh, this is great content. <laughs> <laughs> that like I was awake for many more hours than I typically am I got hungry first of all when I went to bed at like 10 I had a bowl of cereal right before because I was hungry and I was like okay I want to be able to sleep and then from 10 to 2 was another freaking four hours I was hungry again so like yeah I ate a bagel and I, I was really trying to think of like how to make a real out of it all the lights are off I was like no Michelle don't do that but <laughs> well since last night I ate dinner even though I wasn't hungry and I'm like this is great content so I'm like making my dinner and I'm like filming every minute of it and now I have like 17 videos and I need to clip together but like I'm like this is real like I wasn't hungry but I knew I needed to eat and I hadn't eaten for hours and I was thinking about food and like that in and of itself means my body needs something so um anyway, yeah, I digress like a little bit but like this is like it's except for the fact that we're showing like what act, what like normal eating looks like. There's no rules. It doesn't, it's like when I'm hungry at like 1230 and I get out of bed and I make scrambled eggs with butter and like, that's, you know, and like, this is what, there's no rules when it comes to eating, like what you, yeah. when you eat. Um, so yeah. Yeah. So we have talked a lot about red flags and problems with wellness culture, but I do also because we did talk about you know we're not judging we know that like at least we hope nobody's truly being like malicious so what do we actually have in common and like where is there more to connect on than it seems based on what's presented on social media um so curious your thoughts that's a really really good question and the reason i love the question especially is because it is a it's like a very positive and optimistic way of looking at this when 
outside looking in, it really does seem like there are these two very opposing sides that are, you know, at odds with each other. And I just like love kind of the the positivity from which this question is coming. It's like, yeah, you know what? I have to say, I don't ever, I don't think I ever really thought about that. Like I never really thought about the ways that we could overlap. Um, so I really appreciate the question. And I think that it does come from a genuine desire to actually help people mm-hmm. for the most part. Like, you know, yeah, I think that a lot of, you, you said before about how that, like sometimes maybe there are people that are out there to like, I don't know, just like make money or something like that. Like, I think that in every business though, that's going to exist. And like, if we're just looking at the wellness culture as a whole, that's the goal isn't like sales. The goal is like actually putting out information that they think will be helpful. So I do think that they're that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's what I think of is like, ultimately we want people to be healthy. We want people to be well, like wellness is not a bad word. Uh, and it wasn't originally, it's just, <laughs> unfortunately, yeah, it's connotation now. Same thing with diet, you know, like the true yeah. definition of diet is not inherently bad at all. It's just like a pattern of eating. So right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Right. So it is that intention of like feeling good in your body and with yourself holistically. And that's another thing, you know, all of these words are so loaded now, like even holistic. I use that word all the time in my work because yes, I take a holistic view in terms of looking at, and we both do like the physical, the mental, the relational, all of these different aspects of health. And there are so many more. Um, And so both of these camps do that, right? Like we look at the full person, we look at what's going on and we try to see, how they can feel their best. And we all want that as health professionals, healthcare providers, whatever degree someone has or credential um, or not. (laughs) Hopefully if they're trying to help people, right? that's what they want. They want everyone to feel their best. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned the word holistic because when I was, I was on a recovery call this morning and I got a question about like, you only talk about food or you also talk about like other areas of life and like, I almost used the word holistic, but I didn't because Mm. it has like this buzzwordy kind of like connotation to it. Um, But it is a holistic approach. Like it's actually very much so because you need to consider like everything that's going on in a person's life. And I think especially with like eating disorders and disordered eating, it is about so much more than the food. So half the time with my clients, we don't talk about food. We're talking about like lots of other things. Um, about like the feelings about the food and experience leading up to what, you know, but, um, anyway, yes, I think that like, there is kind of a holistic nature to both the anti-diet side and the wellness culture side. That's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, I feel like (laughs) this is hilarious (laughs) to say out loud, but I, I almost in my own head think of myself as this like intuitive eating rebel because (laughs) I lean into using those words. I use the word holistic. I use the word, like, usually I will say exercise instead of movement because mm-hmm. I want to redefine these words in a way that's not um, negative and scary to people. I want them to know, that, like, no, you can reclaim it mm-hmm. and have these things in a different way. And I mean, I, you know, especially exercise and fitness, that's something I love to talk about with my clients and it goes hand in hand with the food. And like, it's not crazy if we talk about it in a normal way and set achievable goals and all of these things. And so, yeah, I I think another reason that I like to use all of that language is to just bridge the gap, even publicly on social media, to just show like, okay, don't be scared of us. <laughs> like, we want these things yeah. too, that you're like kind of getting... Um, you're feeling drawn to from the wellness world because of these promises and this language, like, no, it shows up over here in intuitive eating also. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's a really good point. I love the way that you said an intuitive eating rebel. Cause like <laughs> I, I use the word movement. I do. I use yeah. activity. I don't say exercise yeah. and it's because Which is not bad. Oh, some, I meet some people like that. Yes. But like, I, I see the value 
in using the word exercise too. You know, I'm like, oh, if I use exercise and my client is going to only envision traditional exercise. So I don't want to only use that word, but like, there are a lot of words that, you know, have kind of been co-opted by like diet wellness culture that don't need to mean what we do. And like now the intuitive eating as I diet side is like, well, we can't use that word anymore, but like it's, we can't, you're right. I think that's like, yeah. And I mean, similar to like, you know, if they're going to take and use the word intuitive, like let's take their words. And use them. <laughs> I thought it wasn't a war. I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is war. Kind of is. <laughs> I don't know. It's very tricky. It's very tricky. Cause like, it really just goes back to like, like the, the way that this, this is not about like, like really just, it's not about attacking inherently right. about attacking the other side. It's about like protecting the consumer from from doing something that like is likely to contribute to a disordered relationship with food. Like that's right. the online. Right. Just helping them learn and be informed and like make their best decisions. Yeah. 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 So we do have things in common. Okay. Cool. Yeah. yeah. I think that, <laughs> yes. I don't think it's like completely like anti Right. Well, not like, like, like I just don't think it's like completely. We have a little bit of war in us. <laughs> but no, it's true. I think that there is like good intention. That's the thing. Like, I think that yeah. there's good intention as well. Um, but it's just become very, very polarized, which has led to this kind of. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Like butting heads. Yeah. But... yeah. Well, I feel like we touched on a lot um again welcome to dinner with us to everyone listening (laughs) play it while you're eating or maybe not I don't know um no but like when you and I went out to dinner two weeks ago I was like we're gonna like catch up on like we're gonna talk business nutrition like catch up on life and it's like we just talked about like this stuff the entire and it's I love it I'm not like in her world like I was just at dinner over two for like hours yeah no it's so good I used to talk about this and I love it yeah um is are there any tidbits or like major points that we didn't touch on that you want to add on before we wrap up oh my god um anything that we didn't Touch or just like come back every month we'll keep talking about it <laughs> oh yeah yeah like let's i feel like there were some things that we, we maybe want to talk about today that we didn't get to so let's oh, so much yeah. there will be more <laughs> time i can't wait amazing um okay so yeah take notes for next time it keep will. your thoughts um we'll plan another dinner we'll brainstorm <laughs> exactly. for now where can people find you the hungry clementine on instagram and that's that's really like the main hub like i have my website of course is there um but on the hungry clementine you can find my website you can find my ebook my apparel company so that's me i'm excited to see you all there amazing yes and if you like this chat if there's more you want us to talk about dm nicole dm me um we're open to everything this was so fun so fun thank you again so much i loved this thank you for coming Yeah. All right. And we will talk again soon. See you on Boxer. (laughs) Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. We obviously had so much fun recording it for you. And if you did, I hope you will subscribe to the show, leave a five-star rating and review, and come follow both myself and Nicole on Instagram. Nicole is at The Hungry Clementine, and you can find me at Michelle Pillipich Nutrition. Everything will be linked in the show notes. So check that out and tune in next time.